Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Let's get to Spurs Cast, episode 504 and Spurs on 6, episode 3. My name is Paul Garcia. I am the host of the Spurs Cast. I am joined today by, by host of the Spurs on 6 uh, podcast, John Diaz, and then founder and CEO of Project Spurs, Michael DeLeon. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into this. It'll be a, a pretty lengthy episode. We're going to go ahead and cover the San Antonio Spurs portion first, and then from there, John's going to take over hosting duties, and he will begin uh, with the Spurs on 6 portion of the episode. Of course, then the main name in all the headlines right now is Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, now that we're on this evening that we're recording this, which is a Thursday evening at nine o'clock, I do got to put timestamps on everything because we don't know if Kawhi will get traded or somebody will get signed. So I don't want, you know, when the, when the listeners listen to this, you know, we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want to make it seem like it's old news. Um, okay, guys. So um, the latest on Kawhi, basically, uh, Bobby Markson and Adrian Wojnarowski had, had a podcast on uh, on Wednesday that came out, basically providing a lot of details about Kawhi and his, and his representation, how the NBA, you know, teams are not familiar with his representation because he's represented by more so an NFL agent who's not doesn't have like a great relationship with NBA teams, and then his uncle as well. Then um, to, on Tom Haverstow's podcast, Michael Wright of ESPN went on there and he shared a lot uh, more details about the situation with Kawhi. And I really highly recommend that the listeners uh, uh, do listen to that episode. There's a lot of in- information in there. Um, for what we know lately with the t- trade talks, they've kind of um, stalled right now. You know, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Celtics, they're not putting aggressive offers on the table for the Spurs. The Spurs have a very high ceiling of what kind of trade package they want for Kawhi. And those teams right now, knowing Kawhi's medical situation where they haven't seen him play in over a year, Knowing that outside of the Lakers, he may he may walk away, um, you know, and not resign with those teams. They're they're not willing to to give the Spurs, you know, the package that they're they're seeking. Um, so, Mike, what what are your thoughts right now with the situation with Kawhi? Well, I mean, it's just as messy as it seems like it, even probably messier now than it ever has been, just because of this new information that came out. And there's been a lot of information that's coming out. I think Larry Kuhn also had something about uh, recently about some of those those trades and things, and so. It's just, it's the one thing, there's a lot of takeaways from the um, podcast that uh, Mike Wright did, and, and one of the things he kind of said was, it doesn't seem like this is going to end anytime soon, because the Spurs don't really know what they're going to do with Kawhi yet, and, uh, you know, it's it's just a tricky situation, because no one seems to get want to give the Spurs the value that they feel like they'd be shipping off if they traded him. I think it's uh, probably risky for some teams if it's not... I mean, and now the Lakers seem to be out of front because, according to some reports and rumors, he doesn't want to go there now that LeBron's there. So it's just going to be kind of a, a tricky situation. But that podcast was was really revealing. I felt like, and um, I trust uh, what what he's written before and what he uh, talked about now. I mean, he just seems to be 
a guy that's it's always Darren Sampson. A lot, a lot of people don't want to give him credit because he's with ESPN, but he's always done really good work. And um, you know, he, he said something about give uh, that the Spurs gave him an inch and he took a mile, and I feel like that's been kind of where the relationship went wrong and where everything turned for them. And it's just interesting because I don't know, I don't know if, if this thing is going to be able to be turned around. And I feel like it can continue to follow Kawhi wherever he goes until he sees that there's a problem there or until he kind of decides to take it in his own hands. Like I said, if this is all um, completely accurate uh, because it, it is family and that's something that's hard to, I mean, it, it's, it, you've got your blinders on, I think, when it comes with family a lot of times, and I'm sure he does right now, too. So it, it's definitely interesting, but but unfortunately for us, I don't think we're going to get we're gonna be over with this anytime. So I know a lot of us, especially uh, at Project Spurs, we're just like, we wish this could be resolved already, it'd be over. But uh, yeah, everybody's going to be uh, busy this summer, it seems like, still. Joe, what do you have to add to that on, on what you've heard in the last 48 hours regarding Kawhi? I haven't listened to the Tom Aberster podcast yet, but I was listening to the Woj and Bobby Marks earlier, and I'm I'm amazed that this has gotten to this point, honestly, just because everything we've heard from the start of the season until now, it, it, it felt like it was never-ending, and this is seriously never-ending. We're reaching a year from when, reportedly, Kawhi's camp took over his rehab assignment, which blows my mind, like... I, I just don't know what, where we're going from here, honestly. I feel like the window to trade him has passed, and his value is just going further and further down every single day. It, the organization's been put into a point where they can't win no matter what. And like you said, his representation is, is, is one thing. The organization's wishes for how they want to build this roster and continue going forward is another. Uh, what I find interesting is what was posted on Reddit today, which I don't use Reddit. It was sent to me from a friend was the thing about Kawhi's old agent suing Impact, uh, suing Impact Sports. And it wasn't like just speculation. There's a literal legal document there telling you plaintiffs and defendants. And if you go through the history and talking about Kawhi's mom receiving payments without anyone's notice and stuff, and it's just like what, what happened with not only his representation but the people around him? What are they trying to do? Because at the end, you know, they made the Spurs look really incompetent at one point. And the more this drags on and the more that, you know, you have Michael Wright basically talking unfiltered about, hey, yeah, they tried to seclude Kawhi away from his doctors and this and that from Spurs officials. What what is what, what are you running around there? This kind of business doesn't work that way. And you're just diminishing your your star client further and further. We're, we're going to get to a point where not only are the Spurs not going to get anything out of it, but Kawhi's career path is going to go downhill extremely fast, and we're going to have to watch the ESPN 30 for 30 about it in 10 years, about what happened to Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and that's actually what, what Mike brought up. You, you brought up the same thing right there, and y'all both hit the you know the nail on the head, is that you know how do you tell family, your uncle, to to basically not, not manage you? And it's hard because you know my uncle's probably been there through the, the, one of the most um, t- toughest part of his life, especially when he lost his father um, you know, early, early on at a young age. And that's tough, right there. Is that is that you, they are they are family. You know, it would be hard for me to tell my own you know my own family to, to step away if they're helping me out. And that's the conversation where he may have to have that conversation because right now, like you guys both just mentioned, you know, of course the Lakers and Clippers want him because he's saying that he wants to go to L.A. But it's going to get here pretty soon. That that you know teams, it's it's like it's almost like what happened to Demarcus Cousins. You know, he has a very bad reputation around the league, and you saw that nobody was even giving him the mid level exception of eight point six million. He had a, he had a sign with the Warriors for five point three because he had no deals now. Kawhi is obviously not that type of a you know that type of attitude in the locker room, but 
you know, one, again, he does, he has the medical issue right now. We don't know if he can play. It's been over a year since we saw him playing at that top five level. And then two now is that you're not, it's almost like, like the, the Lonzo ball factor. You're not just getting, oh, Mike, you, you, you were talking to me about that. It's like, you're not just getting Kawhi. You're getting his, his uncle. Now you're getting his, 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 um, his agent who, who comes out of the NFL ranks doesn't really have, a, like I mentioned, a relationship with NBA affiliates. So that's something like you mentioned, John, where it could really hamper his career, you know, going forward. And, and you're right. You know, there's been a lot of talk already now that uh, there's been like four, you know, established reporters that have already started saying that he doesn't want to go play with LeBron, that he doesn't want to be in his shadow. He doesn't want to be number two. And then obviously you look at the way him and LaMarcus never really, you know, fit together. Maybe he does just want to have his own franchise for himself. Um, and, and at what and, point do we say, hey, Kawhi's a grown man. Take this yeah. in your own hands. That's what I want to know. His sister said that on Instagram. That he handles. <laughs> I, I, I got to that point today. I was just like, okay, Uncle. I can only blame Uncle Dennis and his representation yep. so far. At what point does a twenty-seven-year-old man say, "I'm in charge. This is my career. Exactly. This is my life." Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and that's obviously what we're all going to wait to see whether that happens in San Antonio or does that happen down the road. You know, if he's in, if he's with the Lakers or the Clippers, wherever he's at. So, uh, you know, and Mike Mike mentioned it. You know, where does this go? We don't know how long this is going to drag on. It's been, um, you know, not only for the Spurs organization, the fan base, the media. We're all kind of tired of it of the situation. Uh, the obviously the organization would love to fix this, um, but you know, they're not just going to. You can't just convince ownership to say, "Hey, approve for Kawhi to get twenty two hundred twenty one million dollars." For us to give that to him when you haven't seen him play in a year, he doesn't want to have conversations. There's reports he's not even trying to step foot in a, in a Spurs locker room. He's trying to avoid avoid conversations with Greg Popovich. So there's a lot of factors right now. The Spurs don't have a lot of leverage, and every day that passes, you know, the deals are going to get worse for for the trade deadline. Um, you know, it's it's in February, but that but that real deadline is training camp, and then obviously um, the supermax deadline is on October 16th. Um, John, one thing you brought up um, on Twitter a few days ago was that on July 25th through 27th, Team USA is having uh, their mini camp, and um, you know, so that might may be an a, an opportunity for Pop and Kawhi to uh, sit down together. We don't know if that will happen if he'll if he'll show up. Um, yeah, and then uh, was there anything else you guys you guys want to add on the Kawhi situation? Um. He Kawhi's at this point where he's going to be how old? I think I forgot already. Twenty nine. Yeah, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. When when Team USA rolls around for twenty twenty, if if this if he ever wants to represent Team USA, this is going to be his only chance. And it's not a good look to go in there with Team USA basketball with Coach Pop with all these guys that run all the hierarchy in the NBA and all these elite all stars that you may want to team up with in the future. It, it doesn't look good if you skip out just because you have a rift with the coach. But hey, it, his representations led him down the road this far. That's just going to be another blackout on his record. So, oh well. Yeah, and uh, just just a few more things uh, on the Kawhi situation. Basically, all the all the suitors, the trade suitors, they've taken their best you know packages off the off the off the table right now. Uh, the Lakers are basically not putting both Brandon Ingram and, and uh, Kyle Kuzma in any kind of trade package right now. And it's interesting that LeBron James had them in his, his Lee Jenkins piece recently. And you, you know that whenever LeBron has a player in the piece, that means that he kind of wants them for the future. He sees something in him, like how he mentioned Kyrie in that last time when he went back to Cleveland. Uh, Boston has not, um, you know, put Jalen Brown in any kind of trade packages. Phillies, I'm holding off from putting Markel Fultz in any kind of trade packages. And then, you know, the Clippers did call on draft night, and that might have been the night where the Spurs missed their best opportunity with the 12 and 13th pick. And then uh, also Tobias Harris. So we'll obviously continue to monitor the Kawhi situation here at Project Spurs. Uh, guys, let's go on to the next um, 
topic, which is free agency. The Spurs re-signed Rudy Gay for $10 million, um, for one year, so he gets to go back on the market next year when there's a lot more cap space out there. And then this is the questionable one. You know, Spurs fans were happy, but then <laughs> those of us that kind of look at the cap – uh, uh, it was it's kind of more of a, a uh, I would say, <laughs> a judgmental um, call on this next one. Uh, they got Marco Bellinelli back at 32 years old for $12 million for two years, um, and which basically hard caps their team. For those fans that don't know what a hard cap is, uh, it means that the Spurs can never, from, from today up until June 30th next year, they can never go past that $129 million um, tax apron. So it was interesting that, that basically you're giving Marco $6 million per year now that that looks good on the Spurs if it's just a team option or non guaranteed in year two. So I, I I could understand that, but if it's like all Marcos, it's either a player option or it's just fully guaranteed two for twelve. It does look like maybe they could have got you know they could have looked elsewhere to use that that mid level exception. Um, just a quick few notes on Marco. Uh, he averaged twelve points per game uh, throughout the season last year, thirty seven percent from sh- three point range, which is something they need outside shooting. Uh, he is thirty two, like I mentioned. Uh, they do have 2.7 million left of their mid-level exception and 3.3 million of their biannual exception, and basically they have to fit uh, any of their rest- any of their free agents they want to bring back and um, their their exceptions. They got to put them within 21.8 million dollars. Um, John, let's go to begin with you. What did you think about the Marco signing and Rudy Gay signing? Uh, the Marco signing, I, I was pleasantly surprised, honestly, because I feel like when when guys come to San Antonio, especially on free agent signings, I feel like they're immediately out. Like, they kind of increase their value here and they just take off. So that was pretty cool to see that he came back. I know the Spurs were interested in him with the buyout market, too, um, during the season. And then he went to Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, the Sixers saw him as instant offense. He's going to be that in San Antonio, too. Especially if he if you look at Bryn Forbes' numbers and how many minutes he played and stuff, Marco fits that role kind of well. If he ends up taking Ginobili's spot and kind of eases the transition between Manu and Derek White, you know, potentially taking over, then it's an even better signing at that value. I mean, none of these guys are getting really more than the MLE unless a team has a ton of cap space, which it seems no one has right now. So, you know, it's going to be a good signing because at least you filled Bryn Forbes' void. Granted, if he, you know, he's a restricted free agent, but I still feel like there's a market for him and the Spurs have a glut of guards as it is. It's great just because he already has that corporate knowledge of the system and provides a lot of shooting that this team really needs. And they, you know, if you go look at, back at like the career numbers he put up in San Antonio and how well he performed scoring out of different Spurs sets and stuff, it's it's a great value signing regardless of fans wanting a big or an athletic wing, whatever they want. It's a great signing regardless, and it's one that I did not expect whatsoever. Mike, did you have anything to add on Rudy Gay and, Mar- and uh, Marco Bellinelli signing signing with the Spurs? Yeah, I, I thought they did a really good job of getting those two signings done so early in free agency. Uh, Rudy, you could tell a lot of people wanted him back, and I feel like he he was able to transition into his role in San Antonio and didn't take a whole lot of time to adjust into uh, you know the system with the Spurs and. You know, he was, he was a big part of the offense. It seemed like he was a big part of uh, some of the offense right away. And, uh, you know, they trusted him to uh, to know the playbook and to execute plays and things like that early on. So I like that. And I feel like, you know, it was a bit above what he was uh, making. Felt like that was kind of earned. Marco was the same thing where it seemed like those, uh, the first reaction was like, oh, well, Marco's back in there. Like, people, everybody was happy about it. And then they saw... Oh well, it's two two years, twelve million, and everybody's kind of like, yeah, it might be slightly above market value, but I think the things that John talked about, I mean, the corporate knowledge, that's a player that's not going to come into the system and take a full year, if not longer, uh, you know, to get adjusted and transition. That's a player that 
the his teammates love. You know, he and he's already got that kind of rapport with the team and that chemistry, and he's going to be just a quick fit. And then, obviously, he helps with what they needed help with the most last year as I was perimeter shooting. So I thought those were, I thought those were both some smart moves right away for them to make. And, you know, I don't know if he would have signed for like the biannual or anything like that, but especially because early it seemed like players were getting signed. It's, it's a word trend right now. Early on players were getting signed to like some pretty hefty contracts. And now all of a sudden everybody's signing for worse, seeing a lot of minimum contracts, things like that one year. So, uh, I liked it right away to help the team and to make sure, especially with in Gaze, there's a lot of uncertainty around small forward with Kawhi and Kyle Anderson if, if he comes back. For them to have a guy like Rudy that can step in at that position right away helps. Yeah, and uh, John, you brought something up key there was the part about Manu. You know, this is a you know, especially if Manu does retire, that's a great per, uh, you know person to, to to help fill that role off the bench, be that that constant instant offense, and that's Marco. And you know, if Manu does come back, that's fine. At least they have more shooting to space for Lamarcus Aldridge. I, I just feel like they are building for at least for next season's team. Their main three guys are going to be Dejounte, Lamarcus, and Rudy Gay. That's kind of so you want to have a shooting around them with with Marco. So again, I, I am very interested to see if that is the team option or non guaranteed in year two because I kind of feel like that's what it is because if if you're getting him six million in year one, it's because you're 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 getting to dictate the terms in that second year. So if it is a team option or non guaranteed in year two, I think that's that's a really good deal for the Spurs actually, because um, then they have that decision um, next season in their hands. But we'll find out we'll find that out once Marco actually signs his contract. Okay, guys, uh, let's go on to the, our next subject, our next topic. Should I say that's the uh, the other Spurs the other Spurs moves that they could still make this off season. Uh, you know, you have Tony Parker still out there in unrestricted free agency. Five to six teams are looking at him. Denver reportedly might just only give him the veteran minimum, but they have interest. Charlotte has up to the mid-level exception in full that they could, um, you know, reach out to Parker. You know, James Borrego and him have a relationship because James just recently left the Spurs organization now that he's the coach in, in Charlotte. Uh, Parker, uh, Woj put this out recently that he's kind of waiting for the Spurs, but he can't wait too long because a lot of these offers will dry up, like like you guys mentioned in the free agent market. So he he's kind of waiting to see, you know, what kind of a role am I going to have in San Antonio? Michael Wright put that they, they want to give him like a mentorship role, and um, according to an online um, report from France, that Parker wants about six to seven million annually for for two years each year. I mean, six to seven million for each year for two years. So, so obviously that seems a little bit higher than, than most would expect, but, but we'll see what happens with Parker. They do have his bird rights right now. Kyle Anderson. Uh, there's been really no, 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 um, any kind of um, rumors on him. Uh, Woj just said that the Spurs do want him back, but he, just like all the restricted free agents out there, there's like literally no mark, no offer sheets. John, you, you, you mentioned that one, there's no cap space. Everyone's used most of their exceptions, like the, the mid-level exception. And then the teams that do have cap space, they're all the bad teams who don't want to add, you know, a, 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 a player like Kyle or even, even guys like Zach Levine, uh, Clint Capella. None of these guys are getting Jabari Parker. None of these guys have gotten an offer sheet. There's not been one offer sheet released yet. So Kyle's kind of just waiting out there. Uh, he he could elect to just take his his um his qualifying offer of four point seven million and then sign that and then become a free agent next summer. Uh, Davis Bertans had some interest from the Nets, the Jazz, and the Wolves. Uh, the Nets, I don't know exactly how much they can have yet because they're gonna they're gonna buy out Dwight Howard, so they may have a, a little bit of cap space or if not one of their exceptions like um. The Jazz have the full MLE, the mid-level exception, and the biannual exception. And then the, the Timberwolves probably don't have any interest anymore because they got Anthony Tolliver. 
So Bertans like Kyle can sign his uh, qualifying offer. Bryn Forbes, crickets, no noise. There's been no reports about who's interested in him. And then Darian Hilliard, their two-way player, also crickets, no noise. No, nobody's mentioned him at all. Uh, they have Nikola Milutinov. They have to, to um, July 20th to try to buy out his contract and bring him over if they want to do that. And then the last player is Chemezi Metu, who's playing very well right now in uh, Summer League. But again, they would have to give him a roster spot if they want to add him to the actual team. And something with Metu is that if they give him part of that mid-level exception that they that they gave to, to Marco, then they can give him a four-year deal. It means, you know, you can develop him. If they go with the biannual or the uh, veteran minimum, well, then you can only give him a two-year deal. Uh, so I know that's a lot of information, guys. Uh, Mike, you want to take it? What are your thoughts on any of these free agents out there? Yeah, I mean, starting with the, the Tony Parker one, uh, you know, that's one where I was telling John beforehand that I would love it if you take, like, a, maybe a minimum because that's not really too far away from the, at least with his experiences here's, that's not too far away from like the biannual exception um, and take that mentorship role. And, to, you know, just so we see uh, DeJounte and Derek White and, and having somebody that can, um, you know, serve as a mentor. I, I don't know if he's going to want to do that. But I don't think he will. My expectation is that they might offer him the biannual exception. Um, I, I honestly, I think, I think anything above the minimum would like probably really piss off Spurs fans right now. Because they they seem to yeah. want him, uh, you know, gone already, which is crazy. Uh, you know, I I feel like Kyle Anderson uh, taking that qualifying offer might be the best thing. I don't see anything moving on that front at all, and uh, just provides more depth. Uh, I'm not sure anything's going to happen with any of the guards, and I'm I, I like what I've seen out of uh, Chemezi Matthew so far, but uh, I feel like the buy-in might be a little much right right away, uh, even if you get that that uh, four years, but, you know, I think uh, not having, not seeing him and like against NBA competition, that's, that's a, a, a leap of faith there to sign into that. But uh, I would love to see him in training camp and, and see more of him for sure. John, do you want to add anything on those free agents? Uh, Tony Parker for 6 million a year is ridiculous on this team. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I it's nothing about, I, I want it to be known. I don't have any issue with Tony Parker, and this is not anything related to the Kawhi situation, because even though that seems to be the easy scapegoat route. But I, you know me, I'm always about, what we didn't talk about earlier is like Rudy, the Rudy Gay signing being for one year. This is kind of like a gap, a bridge year for the Spurs. You know, they may not be a contender. The Kawhi situation needs to be resolved. This is an easy bridge year where someone like Tony Parker doesn't need to be playing a mentorship role. You need to go get these guys like Derek White and Marco these minutes to make sure, especially Marco, to make sure his value is going to be good if it's a team option for the next season. So I don't think if Tony wants to sign for the vet minimum and be a mentor, great. But I seriously doubt he will he'll sign for it just because he'll probably be like, hey, I can still play. I can still contribute. If Charlotte wants to go through a rebuild, he can showcase his talent over there and help out with Kemba Walker. Or if they want to go trade Kemba and just start over with Malik Monk and all these other guys, then sure. Outside of that, uh, the Burton situation, I think he's back. I, you know, I know other teams will probably offer him maybe a little bit of the biannual if they have it. Or, you know, he's worth around that three or four million yeah. range. I, I'll say that much. So I don't mind having him back because there's already a need for for spacing bigs on this roster. And he has enough athleticism to get by. Bryn Forbes, I think you're kind of realizing that he, he can shoot in spades and he's probably going to have to take a, a contract from a really bad team so that way he can jack up a bunch of shots and prove that he's a great shooter. I, I don't see a space for him on this roster. Granted, you can open up a spot by waving Brandon Paul before August 1st, but I, I feel like the guards are the guard rotation is kind of set if you want to get Lonnie Walker in. If you know, been really fast. 
lost. Um, but yeah, and, and Kyle Anderson, I think I think Kyle Anderson's going to be back. I, I don't have I haven't seen any interest either yet. I, I don't see where he exactly fits. I think San Antonio is going to be the best way where he can maximize his role and his future earning potential when there's a lot of cap room next year. That's the whole reason you're seeing like Danny come back and Rudy take that one year deal. You can maximize your earning potential next so year. I think you saw what happens when you talk badly about Tony Parker. Yeah, you know, we started recording, all of a sudden it started thundering, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll just shut up about Kawhi. <laughs> <It's> Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty loud. I could just see it. Um, like, I don't know if you guys can see the radar or anything, but good lord. Oh, of man. course, when we start recording. <laughs> yeah, I saw there was, like, flooding in there a few days ago, I think on, um, on, on Independence Day. Oh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, Independence Day was flooding out there. Um, yeah, you guys brought up some good points there. Um you know, I obviously think Tony's market is also just a better minimum, which is two point four million for him because he's ten years of service in the league. And you know, Mike, you mentioned the biannual; it's only three point three, so really it's nine hundred thousand less. It's not that much. So I, I think for Tony, like you guys both hit the, uh, said it correctly, that he's he's looking for opportunity. I don't think he wants to be on the Spurs as a mentorship role. You know, we really look at the depth chart. He's not going. He's going to be like the third or fourth guard in the rotation in terms of that point guard spot, um, which, especially with how good Derek White's playing right now in summer league. You know, now we're just going to go to transition to the next topic, and that's the, who, who else would you like to add to the team if you were the GM? The Spurs, really, money-wise, they have $2.7 million left of that mid-level exception from Marco, and then they have three point three of the biannual exception. So I asked you guys to, to maybe look at some names of players you, you'd still want to use with that biannual of $3.3 million, you know, realistic targets. I wrote down Kyle O'Quinn. I still think he'll get more than that from a team, but Kyle O'Quinn might be a good backup big to add. Uh, and then these two guys are not for the for the biannual, but maybe you could get them for the that that two point seven million, or if not, just the veteran minimum. Um, Shabazz Muhammad and uh, Brandon Wright, because uh, I, I feel like uh, outside of Kyle the, and you know obviously Kawhi's on the roster, there's not a lot. There's not really guys who can play the three four position right now on that roster for the Spurs. Did y'all have any candidates in mind for the biannual, Mike? You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I mean, the one I would have liked is the one that's been that uh, got signed earlier, or whatever. I can't even pronounce the guy's name. I think it's a Pelica or whatever. But he's oh Nemanja Belitsa. Belitsa. Oh my gosh, it's sexy on yes. I totally messed that one up. <laughs> Not but, even close. <laughs> but luckily, I won't have to learn it anytime soon because he won't be coming. Um, yeah, Trevor Booker that has had been mentioned. Like there was some interest there, but I, I know he spent. I think he was on three different teams last year, so uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to stick. I know from what I've been reading a lot, especially like it first chance that Al Jefferson's like the pipe dream, but I don't think that would happen. Um, I, I know. Uh, you, you mentioned somebody that can play three four, and I, I feel I've thought in the past that uh, Josh McRoberts might be somebody that could work uh, with Spurs. I'm just not sure now where he's at, uh, and I don't know if that might be uh, a little much, just because I think he's been dealing with some injuries and things like that. And so, you know, that's really all, all I put. And I put down Kyle O'Quinn as well because I feel like uh, uh, his talent is just being kind of wasted in New York, and I feel like he he's a big that I, I think Spurs fans and and uh, would like and and could do some stuff for. Yeah, real quick, John, before I let you answer that part, um, Mike, you actually brought up a good point there. Uh, Trevor Booker, they did call on opening night of free agency. They actually made a call to him. It was reported by Alex Kennedy. So that's actually a player that the Spurs have reached out to in terms of outside free agents. Okay, okay, John, did you have anybody? I kind of went off the board, and the first one I may get laughed at for, but I've been kind of clamoring for this for a couple years, is Vince Carter. Oh, okay. If he's not going to retire, you know, I know he's going to be 42 in January, but... You know, he he brings athleticism to this roster. Funny enough, if he's like a modern replacement and he plays enough defense and can shoot well enough that he can fit the system pretty easily, he won't need to do too much. He'll be a good, you know, an excellent stopgap from whatever you decide to do with the two or three position. 
So that would be mine, just because it's a really good veteran presence. And the Spurs have had interest in VC for years. Like, this isn't anything new. My my second guy just got waived three days ago is Alan Williams. Oh, okay. I, I, I was addicted to Alan Williams just by playing fantasy basketball, because he used to be a double-double machine. And I know he tore his meniscus back in September and stuff, but getting waived out of that non-guaranteed contract for the last two seasons, he was making three, uh, $17 million over three years. I think he would be a good bargain chip for the for the biannual. He's only six foot eight, but he's massive. He's got a huge frame where you could compare his game to like a Zach Randolph or a Dewan Blair, but with really excellent touch around the rim that he can go out there and give you ten and ten really easily. And if you don't want to trust him as he met to with the minutes yet, he's an excellent stopgap in that same situation or any other big that they decide to sign in there. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, you mentioned Vince Carter. I I was about to write him down just because again he could shoot threes. You know, you said like you said, um, he's an athletic player, even at his age, and and he would fill the three four off the bench. You know, and really when I was looking at that list, you know who like one of the best players still left is it's Kyle Anderson. And luckily yeah. for the Spurs, yeah. they have they're they're very lucky right now that they have the ability to match any kind of qualifying offer he gets, even if he even gets one. So. If Kyle can't find a deal out there to take to San Antonio, I I think that that they he may just sign that, that his own qualifying offer and stay with the Spurs for a year. He could get some minutes, you know, especially if Kawhi does get traded. Uh, and you know, actually, just looking at the list, Kyle is probably one of the better free agents still out there on the market. And luckily for the Spurs, they have that ability to match his contract offer. Okay, so Spurs cast listeners, again, um, this episode was recorded at nine thirty one p.m. on. Thursday. So if you know one of these players gets signed elsewhere or back with the Spurs or Kawhi gets traded, I just always want to put timestamps on when we're recording this. We're going to take a quick break, real quick, and then when we come back, we're going to we're going to let John host the, uh, the 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 Spurs on Six portion of the Spurs cast. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. You're listening to the Spurs cast episode 504. This is the Spurs on six takeover portion. I am now your new host, John Diaz. So if you're not familiar with what we do around here, we talk a lot of Austin Spurs. We're going to rebrand the podcast and all that stuff at a later date. But right now, just get familiar with the site, get familiar with the people, with the players that we're going to be talking about. I'm joined by Paul and Mike. Shocking that we've changed so much in the last 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I want to start, you know, yeah, we're recording Thursday at 930. If my power goes out, if my internet goes out, you know why. It's because it's storming like crazy behind me. The guys can see, but no one listening can. So just theater of the mind that I'm in a massive thunderstorm. Uh, so let's go over summer league results for Utah. Uh, game one against the Jazz, the Spurs lost 92-76. to 
Lonnie Walker obviously had a really poor performance with the seven points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. Uh, big deal. We, we've seen guys that, you know, ended up being great for the organization struggle in their first summer league game, too. Uh, then the Spurs beat the Hawks 103-81. No Lonnie Walker, but Derek White did go off for 21-6-9. You had a double-double from Jerron Blossom game, and Chemezi Metu had 13-9. And, and then, of course, tonight the Spurs beat the Grizzlies 94-87 to finish summer league, Utah summer league 2-1. Uh, Derek White, 26, 7, and 6. Lonnie Walker came back with 14.3 rebounds and 2 assists. Metu put up 9 and 9. You had 10 points from Blossom game. And I, I want to just shout him out real quick. We may talk about him in a little bit. Olivier Hanlon had 8 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. Really showcased his passing ability in the fourth quarter now that it seems like Derek White may be out of Utah Summer League and may not even show up to Vegas. So I, I, I want to get your, especially Paul, I want Paul to start. Your first impressions on Lonnie Walker and Shemezi Metu, just overall impressions. Okay, let's start off with Lonnie. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that the first game. I, I almost feel like I know I know they rested him that second game, but I honestly think they didn't really rest him. I think they just told him sit down, watch the game, and just kind of watch and see where 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 could you where could you place yourself? What kind of different um, uh, decisions can you make? I really saw that he rushed everything, and you know he's 19 years old, his first NBA type of experience. You can't blame the kid; he's really young. He he definitely just wanted to score every time he touched the ball. He he didn't really ever like off the pick and roll or just catching the ball. He never looked to actually pass. Uh, he just wanted to take different shots, and and at the, what did he take like 16 shots in that first game or something? And he only made like yeah. three. <laughs> so it, it just it was expected. That, you know, a young kid. He looked way more poised, way more calm in, in his third game because he, like I mentioned, he sat out the second game. So I really think it wasn't really rest. Maybe he did play a lot of minutes. But I really think it was more so the coaching staff. They probably just told him, sit down, watch, you know, just watch the game. Watch how Derek White handles everything. Watch how all the other players, you know, it, it just calm yourself down a little bit. Kind of just – and I really feel like he really showed a lot a lot in that, that second game that he played in, which was against the Grizzlies. In one quarter alone, he had eight points, you know, hitting his three-pointers there. I mean, the kid can shoot whether it's a pull-up three or it's spot-up three action. He showed his athleticism. He got out in the open court and threw down a one-handed alley-oop dunk. Um defensively the 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 part about you know focusing that they were mentioning before the draft about how he loses focus I saw that a lot where he ball watches a lot where he's not really um he doesn't which is expected you know he doesn't know these teammates yet he doesn't know the terminology he's only been there for a week uh he will get better under especially under coach pop who, who demands defense but you can tell like the gifts are there the, the physical gifts where he can he can he can block somebody's shot from behind uh he can really stay with stay with you foot speed wise I was very impressed, especially that second game, you know, and it's summer league. I think that he's going to get, um, you know, the longer we see him in Vegas, he's going to get better uh, as he can, continues going. May 2, I, I've really, really been impressed with. I, I told you guys this in, through a text message that, you know, as much as I do like the second round picks, I don't really see them. I, I have like this expectation or like a stereotype where they're just not going to make the Spurs roster just because, like I mentioned in, in one Spurs cast where – Outside of, outside of Dewan Blair and uh, and Nando DiColo, they haven't had a second round pick on their roster in quite a few years. So I, I really just always think that second round picks are going to end up in Austin or overseas. But May two, I mean, the first game I was more impressed with his defense. You know, help help defense. Always kind of knows where he's at. He has good lateral quickness um, in terms of, of when he has to guard switches. He he took like um, in the second game he took like a three that was um, you know right, right at the end of uh, right at the end of, right at the end of a shot clock should I say? And, and his jumper looked good. Well, then by the third game against the Grizzlies, he showed his offensive ability i mean he was he, he took a pick and pop three this the form again looked very good he took a mid-range jumper he took a, a defender off the dribble and he's so quick that he beats most you know four or fives in the nba or at least at summer league nba should i say uh and then there was a play where he he, he caught the, the the ball um right in the corner takes his defender off off the dribble and, and throws like a nice like no look pass so i mean this kid has a, a lot of gifts he has a lot uh, you know a lot of untapped potential 
And he's one of the first players in a while that I really think that they need to really consider giving him one of those 15 roster spots to put him in San Antonio. Like Mike mentioned earlier, maybe give him that 2.7 million of the uh, mid-level exception so that you can lock him into a four-year deal and watch him grow. Or even, I got this question on Twitter, is maybe even a two-way contract. That way, if he does become a free agent next year, you can make him restricted like Darren Hilliard. And so you kind of have control of his future. I've really been very surprised by Maytu. Now, again, it is summer league. It's only three games. But I really do like what I've seen from both of them. Mike, is there anything you wanted to add with, between Lonnie Walker and Chemezi Maytu? We'll get to the other guys in a minute. But anything you want to add with the two draft picks? Honestly, uh, I think everything possible is right on point. I watched that first game, and I was uh, I, I kind of did a, a few observations afterwards, and that was the one thing I learned, I noticed about Lonnie Walker. And I feel like um, a hearty set this after the game that it's his first game. He wanted to – he had a lot of pressure on himself to go out there and perform and, and show everything, and he rushed everything it seemed like, and, and so I agree with that. Um, I like – you know, I didn't get to watch that game, but I'm, from what I'm seeing, what he did, I mean, it seems like, you know, he was pretty – you know, efficient, and he was able to shoot a lot better than he did the first game. Uh, that was impressive since the first game because he was credited with one block, but I could swear he had more than one block. And if it wasn't, if they weren't blocks, then he was definitely changing the shots or, or, or forcing up, you know, forcing people into bad shots. And I like that he's mobile, especially because a lot of people uh, complain about Powell and that he's not very mobile. There's not a lot of that level quickness like Paul talked about. And I saw him, you know, where we expect him to be in there. But I saw him jump out to like uh, to bother mid-range shots, things like that, and he was able to move quickly. And, and then, like you said, I mean, he showed where he's actually he's not just a big that's trying to chuck threes and things like that. He actually has a nice one on the shot. It looks like he has a good jumper. Um, so I like what I see. And, and it's like Paul said, it is summer league, but we've we've seen where a lot of guys are at this point, and you can kind of tell skill sets and things. And, and that's a guy that there's enough to see out of him or you want to make sure you don't lose him. So the two-way, if possible, if not something else, uh, I would like to see him in the system, even if it means spending time in Austin, um, but uh, getting him there because it looks like uh, even if he's still raw in some areas, uh, I feel like he's gonna he can grow into something. He's got a lot of potential and upside. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. Like Lonnie, obviously, he's trying to impress people his first time out. He probably feels a little bit disrespected being picked 18th and all that, but... He, he performed adequately in that third game, and it, I, I know everyone freaked out over the one-handed alley-oop in transition, like that kind of stuff, that's what you're going to get out of him. Uh, in, in terms of Metu, man, I, I did not expect a lot of what I saw from him. I, I want him to stop fouling as much, especially defensively, but man, he looks really fluid as a shooter. It's kind of crazy how, you know, this kid is six foot ten. Six foot eleven and has a shooting form that's just as good as some of these elite guards in the NBA. As long as he knocks him down in the future, like the Spurs really got a steal here. I don't understand how he fell so far, um, but yeah, it, it's kind of impressive. I don't know where he fits exactly on this roster yet because people need to temper their expectations. Like always, NBA Summer League is like extended G League, and especially with the San Antonio guys, these Austin Spurs players have been running through the system so much that they probably know exactly where to set him up. And Metsu's just out there, right place, right time, here and there, in the 20 minutes of action he's getting. But it'll, he'll be interesting to watch going forward, especially if he gets a two-way contract. We, we saw Drew Eubanks already get a camp invite, so we'll see what happens with Metsu going from there. Uh, the other two guys I wanted to talk about, because I feel like they're most... You know, Derek White's going to make the roster, obviously. He's already guaranteed. It's just how much time he spends between Austin and San Antonio. But Jerron Blossom game, 
Mike, you and I have watched both of these guys the last year. We know what to expect, but what have you seen in terms of their development? And Paul, I want your first impressions on seeing both of these guys in heavy minutes for one of the first times. So whoever wants to start, Paul, go ahead and go first. Are you talking about, you said White and Blossom game? <clears throat> yeah, what, what did you see in White and Blossom oh, game for yeah. your first time kind of like being exposed to them? Okay, now, I, obviously it's only Summer League, right? Got to preface that. But if he, if Derek White starts playing like this in preseason, Danny Green needs to watch out because like this kid can do a lot. I'm, I'm talking like, and you know, Danny never had a secure spot last year. Patty Mills was the shooting guard at different times. Like that spot almost looks like it's up for grabs. And Derek White, I mean, his ability to to, to handle in the pick and roll so smoothly. He, he's really patient. He's almost like toying with the defenders. Now, again, they are summer league defenders. Yeah. They're not they're not full t- full time NBA caliber uh, prospects at the moment. Um, I mean, like like rotation players, should I say? Not prospects. They're all, they're all prospects. Anyway, Derek White, his pick and roll ability. He's got this new, you know, his three point his three point jumper is so quick. His release, it's it's just so fluid. It's 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 a quick jumper, whether it's spot up, whether it's like hesitation pull up. I mean, he's he's doing it all out there. Uh, defensively, you know, he hasn't really got to showcase a lot just because there's not a lot of guys that they're like really like those guys that you're really targeting to watch. But I mean, he's he's in his areas. He contests. He stays with them laterally, um, left to right. But again, if it's it's only summer league, so I don't want to get you know get get too high yet. But on the on Derek White, but I do want to say that if if he starts doing this stuff in preseason, I mean he think about it his his skill set is the is the most at the two that the Spurs have where it has so much more diversity. You know, Danny we know he's just three and D spot up shooter. Manu's obviously getting older; he plays off the bench. Marco is mainly a shooter, even though you can run him off screen action. Uh, you know, he he has the most to uh, upside, should I say? And so I, I don't think it would be initial, obviously, but if 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 Green really if if he shows this kind of um this kind of leap in preseason, I think Pop's really going to look at giving getting him a, a real rotation spot coming off the bench, and then who knows as the season progresses, you know what happens with with Danny and Patty at the two. Uh, so Derek White's been very impressive. Um, he you can just tell he he's he's like he you know he has that comfort level against these uh, summer league players. Uh, as for Blossom game. I'm, I'm just, he, he, I don't know how to, I don't want to say, I don't want to be mean here. It kind of reminds me of like, this is, this is really off because he actually has a decent jumper, but kind of like that Tony Allen, Andre Roberson kind of profile. Yeah, yeah. Good, you know, decent defender, really, really energetic, tries to get physical when he's going to the rim, but, you know, doesn't have a ton of athleticism, doesn't have, you know, a ton of jumping ability. Um, like I mentioned, he'll only take the shot if they, they purposely leave him wide open in the corner, like like tonight against Memphis, he made one. He looked nice, but again, he's not gonna. That's not his go to thing. It's it's to catch it and go get fouled and you know try to get the free throw line. I, I just don't see it as far as like him him being in the full Spurs rotation. I, I could see him maybe getting a two way with them, or if not, just ending up back in Austin. Now, by Spurs standards, he's as athletic as anyone that's ever played in the NBA. Okay, <laughs> just, just clarify that. Like, of course, he doesn't have like the jump out of the gym athleticism, but he's there in terms of this roster. He's there. But like you said, I, I mentioned this last week with Mike that I feel like Derek White is kind of like can can be like the Manu replacement just because he's got like every every single thing in his tool bag offensively. And Lonnie is going to be Danny Green with a hell of a lot more offense. But now that we've gotten your first impressions, Mike, we've seen these guys develop over the last year. Yeah. I, I want to say Jerron Blossom game had a one sequence. I know it's just one play, but catching the ball, getting wide open with just one lateral or one, you know, sidestep and then just a clean jumper. I, I want him to hold on to the ball for the love of God. Please hold on to the ball and convert in transition. That still seems to be an issue because we saw the first game of the G League finals. He missed a wide open dunk to start the game. And that's um, my biggest frustration with him so far. But 
He's seen some signs of development. Derek White has blown everyone out of the gym. What what do you see in terms of from literally just a couple months ago when they won the G League Championship to now? Yeah, I mean, Blossom, I've definitely seen some strides there, and he's been able to do a few things and has a little bit more confidence, I think, in his shot than he showed uh, with the Austin Spurs. I like that. He he wasn't a guy they were going to – you got to see or he got to put on, like, a display thing because obviously when – Derek White is going off like he is. There's only so many shot opportunities. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like we're seeing uh, some development. I mean, he's he's definitely one of those like in-between positions where, you know, he's probably not a good enough shooter to be a three. He's not big enough to be a four. So he's kind of a tweener. So it's an odd uh, situation. And I feel like somebody else on this roster that we'll probably talk about in a bit, uh, you know, if there was a spot there, I think that guy might have taken it for, for training camp. But, um, I like to see him in training camp, regardless, and uh, just see where where he goes and continue to watch his development. Because I feel like there's something there; just needs time. Derek White, ever since the first game, it's funny because last season, I, I was always the guy. I was like, okay, park the brakes, chill out on Derek White, because everybody's like he's the best point guard or, or he's the best guard on his first roster, and or he's better than this any league in this many minutes. And I'm just like, no, like he's it's good for him to be in Austin. It's good for him. And I feel like that was so important to his development, him being there and actually getting getting minutes and not just sitting at the end of the bench in, in a suit and, you know, or holding on clipboards like that. Or in New York. I feel like those yeah, – yeah. I feel like <laughs> – I feel like that was really important for him to, to be there and get the – and I, I saw, like, so much there – was, there's was so much from, from the end of last season and even last season in, in Austin to now – where it was like some people were even telling me, okay, calm down. It's like, it's, it's not, it's like, no, I'm actually seeing like actual improvement in his game where like it seems like his, he has better like point guard skills for one. Um, I used to draw a comparison to a player that's like not yet really in the NBA, but or but a guy I watched a lot of in uh, like through the NCAA tournament was Jalen Brunson and the, the way he played with like the tempo and the pace, he controlled it and he was never, you know, he was always composed and I felt like. Uh, Derek did a really good job of that, and I feel like if he plays with DeJounte, I feel like they can play interchangeably with uh, handling the ball, so we, we saw that. I mean, his step-back jumper looks good, and what what I like also is he doesn't have, like, crazy speed, but he's still able to take it to the basket. Like, that hesitation dribble always gets people, so I like that, um, and he's, he's definitely done some work in, in the weight room. Uh, a lot of times I saw him, like... Uh, Get hit on screws and things like that, or we've seen him crumble before, and he's not doing that uh, now. And, and we're seeing a lot more of that. So I like what I saw. I definitely see some some marked improvement there. Um, I want to see what he does preseason, like like Paul says. But uh, I think if he gets some serious minutes, everybody's finally going to be happy. But again, we'll, you've probably seen the, the last of him in summer league for sure. Yeah, and and real quick with Derek White tonight was against the Grizzlies and someone on the Grizzlies roster is Wayne Selvin, who's an NBA vet. He's played a couple of years in the mm-hmm. league, even though he went undrafted and the Grizzlies are in complete rebuild mode. That is NBA level talent that he was going ba- basket for basket with. So yeah, it's a, it's a big difference from when he's doing it against these guys in the G league that have probably played international ball at the most. So it, it's really interesting to see where his development has gone in the last year. I mean, Will Hardy's even talked about how his development's off the charts. So that stuff is kind of amazing how much he's improved in just a few months. I want to say one more thing, John, uh, on Derek White, is that you can tell, you know, especially in the second game, it was against Atlanta. In the second half, they started trapping him. That's how good he was 
And he yeah. still he struggled a little bit. He, he had like two turnovers, and then all of a sudden he figured out their trap, and he was moving the ball. He was getting to where he wanted to go. Mike, something you mentioned about his speed. I, I feel like he has like this this, this uh, deceptive speed where he yeah. he gets to the, the, the middle of the pick and roll, and as soon as he knows the big's on his hip, he like he gets a speed burst out of nowhere. And you've seen him finish with like this um this like d- dunker layup um, uncontested in the middle after like you know after it looks like chaos. It's almost like a running back when they break through. That's what Derek White's looked like in some of these plays. And something you guys mentioned was like think about his mindset he, he goes to the, D, the the g league finals you know and that's a very high you know um you know high stakes rep, uh environment should i say gets that experience then all of a sudden uh you know pop is putting him in it might have been garbage time but pop put is putting him in against the warriors you know the team that went on to win the championship so imagine him that kind of pressure that he really doesn't feel anymore he's like you know you can just tell he, he, he he's comfortable he, he's like above that that level almost uh, right now as you see at summer league because he's been in, in way way higher stakes uh situations yeah, the, the broadcast had it today. It's like he's graduated summer league. There, I feel like there's really little chance that we see him in Vegas because we've seen it with Kyle Anderson, with Jonathan Simmons, that these guys, you can only develop so much playing summer league basketball. These guys are not at the talent level where there's going to be you know a lot of development worthy enough to say, okay, yeah, keep him out there, especially with the risk of injury and stuff like that. He can come over here and get one-on-one time with trainers, with coaches, and just fine-tune those little things for year two that – a lot of people are kind of like will be aching for, especially if he's going to be on this roster. Yeah, I also liked his awareness um, when he was driving, and just his awareness in general. He found Lonnie Walker like across the court, and that also <laughs> it seems like when he's driving, and even though he if if he gets stopped or if they trap him, because they did that a little bit in the first game too at the beginning, uh, but he found a way around it. But he's like always aware of like a cutter, and I saw him also pass to a big and he just like was really smart with his angle on the pass it's because as soon as it got to the big the big had the guy uh sealed off and it was like an easy buck things like that so uh, i really like seeing that from his game it, it seems like he's got a lot a lot of tools and a lot more than i saw last year yeah and so i want to go over some secondary guys i wrote five down because i know we've gotten asked about a couple of these and there's a couple from austin that have carried over that i'm kind of curious about what you guys think so i'm going to give you the names and i'm going to give you like a real quick take on them Drew Eubanks, who has a camp invite by the Spurs, I, I haven't been thoroughly impressed. I don't know what they see there. And if I swear if Matt Costell is on this Las Vegas roster, I don't want to see Drew Eubanks get any more minutes, honestly. He looked good the first game, and then it, it's just kind of petered out from there where another guy that I have on this list, Corey Jefferson, has taken his minutes, and Corey Jefferson's playing anywhere from the 3, 4, and 5 and has a nice little pick and pop. Something we killed him about is, like, he couldn't shoot, and he's out there looking like Kevin Durant of the Summer League, like, I, I'm really impressed with where the hell his shot came from, you know, spending a couple months in Italy and coming back over here. Uh, two more, or three more. Uh, Amita Brima seems to kind of fallen out a little bit out of the rotation. Still has, you know, the rim-protecting ability, but obviously Chimezi Metsu's development and his ceiling is, it surpasses everything Amita Brima can give you. And Jeff Ledbetter, he's 30, but man, God, he plays his heart out, and he's out there trying to fight people with Summer League. I, I've never seen anything like it. But I love his heart and spirit, and I hope he gets a camp invite. But there's there's really not a place in the NBA for him unless it's going to be on a 10-day come, you know, January, February. And the last one, because I know we've all gotten questions about this, Raphael Putney. So, Mike, I want you to go first on Raphael Putney. What do you think from him? Do you think there's a spot on this roster, at least a camp invite? Yeah, I wish they could like. Can they like take a Rebex camp camp invite or camp uh, whatever that was away and do it to Putney? Because I would love that. Because 
you benched, you benched the first game. I was like, okay, he's limited minutes, got three blocks, had a nice like little turnaround layup, saw a few things, and then like didn't see anything stand. But Putney, Putney is just a, a strange dude's like six ten, one eighty five. I feel like in the NBA against like some number like two hundred fifty pound guys, getting, they're gonna like break him or something. But yeah, <laughs> his game. There's there's also a lot to his game because a lot of times with guys like that, they either can't shoot or they can't stay inside, but. He seems to be very smart. He can shoot the ball. He's got range. Um, he's he's great at, at cutting and and finding a way to the basket. Seems to be pretty athletic. Defensively, I mean, and I've, this is talking not just from some of the games I've seen him from. I went back and watched a, a lot of his uh, G League games after we talked to the first um, preview podcast. And he seems to, like, hang out in passing lanes and pick off steals just because of his length. Um, so I like that, and it's a guy I'd love to see in camp for sure. I, want to, I definitely want to see more. I'm looking forward to hopefully in Vegas he gets uh, a few more minutes. He didn't get the minutes that I was hoping for tonight. But um, some people are starting to, to be curious about him. So and, and I think the more we see him, the more that's going to happen. Yeah, Jabari Young tweeted, you know, hey, Putney's kind of like an intriguing prospect. And, you know, everyone kind of just went to YouTube real quick. And it's like, wait a minute, where did this guy come from? <laughs> Who has he played for and stuff? And it was just hilarious to watch in real time. Paul, what did you think about any of those guys on the list, especially Rafael Putney, since we've been asked so much about him? Yeah, no, I, I really feel that that Putney needs to get a camp invite. Um, you know, he, he's it's it's weird because he's so tall and, and like and like lengthy, but lanky, should I say? But he plays like a guard, like a. Like, I'm not obviously his skills not at this level, but he almost looks. I haven't seen a player like that, just like that that long and like that skinny, and just like playing like a guard out on the wing, like since like T Mac, you know, earlier, and that's kind of like what he reminded just just his body size. Um, not obviously not not at the level he would have been in the, in the summer league if he was like teammate. But anyway, yeah, I mean, just give him a camp invite, see what he can do. I really like his shot; it looks really smooth. Um, you know, it's so long. Imagine like him and Dejounte out out there on the wing together, um, all that length. Uh, you know, defensively he is he doesn't have the, the lateral foot speed. He is twenty eight years old, but I honestly wouldn't mind giving him a, a camp invite. And I feel like a guy who definitely needs one is uh, is Ledbetter. You mentioned it, John. He's, he's an energy guy. Man, his three-point shot, though, he has that thing down. Like, like I, I, I didn't watch a lot of that guy, oh, yeah. but I, I know I've seen him <laughs> in some of your uh, – you know, I've seen him in, in, the Austin, in the Austin with the Austin Spurs in the past. And, I mean, he's just not afraid. Like, he, he will take a shot off the dribble. If he's wide open, it's almost like an automatic three. Um, you know, I don't think he's ever going to – he won't make the rotation or the roster. You're right. He might just get 10-day invites. But, you know, just to bring him to camp, if you need to fill the roster out, I, I would definitely give those two players, Putney and um, Ledbetter. Uh, yeah, the other guys I'm, I haven't really been too too impressive. Where I don't I don't know if they, they they'd earn camp invites. And you're right with Eubanks. I just haven't seen why they they gave him that invite so early in the process. Yeah, and I think the the frustrating thing right now is with the organization that we would love to see the Vegas rosters. So we would love to see who's leaving and who's coming in. And unfortunately, we you know don't have that yet. Probably once we finish recording, they'll come out. But I, I will say with with Rafael Putney is. I've been covering the G League for four years now, and he's always been at the top of prospect watch. He's always been up there, and it, he kills the Spurs because he, he plays against you know he plays against the Austin Spurs because he used to play for Rio Grande Valley, who is the the Rockets affiliate. And I, I used to just watch him like he's insanely athletic. He can jump out of the gym and stuff like that. But just, just for a point of reference on his weight and height, Kevin Durant is fifty pounds heavier than this man, and and Kevin Durant is seen as the guy that gets pushed around and needed to build muscle since he came into the league. Kevin Durant is 50 pounds heavier than him. But I, I feel like while his age may hinder him because he is 28, he's already lost like his peak athleticism. 
He is entering, I guess, what you would call his prime. But at the same time, he's 28. He's a veteran. He already has a veteran mindset. He's already been around the league and stuff like that. And we have seen guys that just develop late in their career where they can carve out their little niche in the league. And I feel like he's worthy of a camp invite. Like like Mike said, I wish you could rescind camp invites. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I would love to know who, if it's Landry Fields or someone like in the scouting department that saw Drew Eubanks and said, yeah, him, give me him. I, I need to have a talk with that person because obviously the Spurs picked out a hell of a roster and someone like him with G League experience and knowing the Spurs pretty well already by playing against him for so long, he fits in really well. Hey, by the um, way, if Nick Johnson ends up on that Vegas roster, look out. I'm, I'm sure a lot oh, of we're doing fans. an emergency podcast. What's that? We're doing an emergency podcast, all Nick Johnson yeah. for, for, for yeah. an hour. Like, first fans who may not be aware of him are, are probably going to, like, be probably speak out of him, him too because, uh, you know, what he's done. Also, Ledbetter, I love Ledbetter's story. Um, kind of, he has that, like, Jonathan Simmons story where he, you know, he did a tryout and everything like that. I'd love to see him, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where realistically he's probably not going to end up there um, and Brian uh, I was really hopeful and I, I like I like what I saw from him in Austin and I liked what I saw in that first game but he seemed to have uh, fallen off a little bit and what happened to Chris Jenkins like he was like didn't play and then I like, think he played like a little over a minute tonight like, that was a guy I was hoping to see more of and just didn't see him at all yeah I'm, I'm kind of curious about that too I'm trying to look at, I look at the box score and he played a minute 57 like he barely did anything that last lineup that came in, Jordan Green had like two turnovers, which is another guy I talked about who has a decent passing ability, great defender, and then he just coughed the ball up twice in two minutes. It's like, okay, this this isn't really working out too well. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see where we go going forward for Vegas. Uh, is there anything, Paul, did you want to add anything before we move on to the Las Vegas portion? No, no, no. Just, uh, you know, I, I really don't, you know, I'd be very surprised if they put Derek White on that Vegas roster. Yeah. Same here, man. I'm. I, I don't know what else he can prove, but you know, with the Spurs, maybe they want to get him at least another game to just torch people. So we'll see. I'd also be very uh, surprised if Ryan Richards is on the Vegas roster. <laughs> <laughs> he was on there one time, then he just left in the middle. Can we forget that that happened? He didn't even. They gave him a camp invite. They took his picture and then they said goodbye. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> what a waste of a pick that was. Everybody thought it could be the next Kevin Garnett, and I was like, no. Oh, the Spurs had a steal, and then all of a sudden he ends up in England playing basketball, and I've never heard of anyone coming out of England playing basketball. I'm, I'll probably, he, <laughs> probably bite me in the butt later. But. He was all over the place. That dude's like traveled the yeah. world in yeah. terms of where he's playing basketball. Where in the world is Ryan Richards? Speaking of which, uh, the video uh, uh, John Charles is uh, back to Azo. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have that up on Spurs on 6 tomorrow. I'm... I'm not surprised. I, I just I'm glad the Spurs were able to get 45 games, 90 games total, 45 games out of him by paying him 1.7, however many million dollars a year to play for the Austin Spurs for 45 games and contribute zero to a championship. So wasn't, thank you. Wasn't he thank still on the, on, on the? Uh, I'm sorry, wasn't he still on on the um, on the books last yeah, year? Yes, sir. Oh, he was making on. I think 333,000 he made last year. Uh, yep. They stretched his contract, so it's already over now. These the, the only the only person they're paying that's retired is Tim Duncan. And David Lee's gone too, right? Yeah, David Lee too retired. They wow. just have his capital. Shocking. Man, and, and funny thing with with John Charles is that he played in Spain, and they were like they they really wanted him for a playoff run, and he played I think like six minutes a game and averaged three points and one rebound. So the hell of a playoff run for him. I don't know how far Unicaja got in in whatever league that they were trying to get a playoff run out of him, but yeah, thank you for your service, Livio John Charles. 
So moving forward to Vegas, uh, Spurs take on the Pacers Saturday at 2.30 locally, uh, 3.30 Eastern. Game's going to be on ESPN2, and they'll take on the Wizards on Sunday. We can't really do what we want with this portion of the podcast just because we don't have a Vegas Summer League roster. So I want to know, do you have any expectations? Let's take Derek White out of the equation. Let's just assume that he's gone. Do you have any expectations for any of the other guys that could potentially get a camp invite or that already do have a camp invite like Eubanks? Uh, Mike, I'll start with you. Um, you know, I, I just want to see more Quentin uh, minutes. It's a lot more than two minutes tonight. Uh, hey, more lead better is always good for me. Uh, but, you know, especially if they don't bring Nick Johnson, then expect him to probably start at point guard. Uh, but I just want to see more from, you know, uh, Timezio and see more more of him, and that's really all I'm hoping for. Is some of these guys that have actually shown some promise as to get uh, a few more minutes. And since Derek White probably won't be out there shooting like you know like 25 points every night, you know maybe there'll be more opportunities, at least scoring opportunities, and uh, just to get a better look at some of these guys. But um, yeah, as far as apparently Hardy, Will Hardy said that there would be two more players being added to the roster for Vegas. So I'm, I'm looking forward. Like I said, I'm hoping. Uh, Nick Johnson, because I think the um, qualifiers ended already. So I'm hoping he's one of them, and I have no idea who the other one would be. Yeah, Nick Johnson would be an intriguing pickup, because, I mean, I feel like Olivier Hanlon showcasing in the in the final quarter of tonight's game is a big step forward of, hey, we want to see where you are in terms of development. Like I, I've said before, that's a huge piece from the Boris Diaw trade that they traded a 2022 second rounder for him. And he's he's ended up actually being a contributor to Austin, and he could yeah. easily contribute in San Antonio too. Paul, do you have any expectations to like anything going forward in Vegas of any of these guys? Uh, a few players I'm going to keep an eye on. Obviously, uh, Putney's one of them for sure. If, if he gets minutes, I do want to see him play more often. I'm really going to analyze his game. Uh, Lonnie Walker, I want to see how now that he actually had a pretty good game in, in that second game against Memphis. I do want to see where where his transition goes. You know, does he show like that first game? You know, how patient is he out there on the offensive end? And then even with his his um his his team concept on the defensive end, uh, like Mike mentioned, May too. I want to see what what else he does there, um, on both sides of the floor. And then maybe I'll give a uh, Jaron Blossom give another ch- another shot here, where I'll, I'll, I won't you know have those, those <laughs> that that standard like those expectations on him. I, I'll be a little bit more open to what you guys said here. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully he'll prove us right in some sort of aspect. So we'll we'll see going forward. Uh, something I do want to touch on since we still haven't seen anything happen with the restricted free agents, it feels like the Spurs have both two-way contracts open. Uh, unless we see Costello show up in, in Vegas and unless Hilliard gets an offer elsewhere, I mean, the Spurs seem to have showcased enough talent on this roster to say, hey, you know, Darren, thanks for everything, but we're going to kind of rescind your qualifying offer and sign it to other guys with those two ways. That's the good thing about the flexibility on that. And real quick, I had to research this while we were on. Ryan Richards last played for Carpus Socoli in Macedonia. There you last go. Season. All right. Yeah. That's so uh, that, that is your, your Ryan Richards update for 2018. So, <laughs> Paul, I'll let you close this out. I'll let you do the outro, and we'll go from there, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about. No, I mean, that's. I think we covered a lot here with uh, both the Spurs portion of, of where, where they're at in free agency right now. Um I think one thing you're seeing, though, uh, real quick, is with their roster overall, with the moves that they made, you know, and getting Marco and, and Rudy back and kind of just be more patient with the other players, is both the market, you know, like we mentioned, there's just not a lot of money being spent right now. I mean, today, which is July 5th, 
literally, I think there was just one deal done today, like one in the entire NBA. That's that's how slow it is right now. None of the restrictions. Was it a two way contract too? Yeah, I think it was a two way contract. So it's like. <laughs> None of the none of the uh, restricted free agents have. It was just Baylitz. No, no, I think it was just Baylitz that was the main guy who got the like oh, the main, yeah, yeah, the main free right. agent out there. But like like none of these restricted free agents have gotten any offer sheets. Like no one's getting offer sheets. I do. Want, I almost think like Bertans, Anderson, and Forbes might just end up taking their qualifying offers. <laughs> and the thing about that is that the Spurs can um, rescind those as of July thirteenth with their permission. So so there's actually there's actually like a date to watch now whether or not Santos is going to do that. Um. And it almost seems like the Spurs are kind of keeping their, their roster open right now just because they don't know what, what's going to happen with Kawhi. You know, if you do got to trade him, now that you're hard cap with Marco, you do only have a certain limit that you can take back in contracts. Uh, and then also, you know, how, how many players do you want on the roster in case you have to make a move or if you get like three or four for, for Kawhi or, or just two or something like that. So so we'll kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the offseason. Again, Spurs cast listeners, um, we did record this on Thursday evening. So obviously if somebody gets signed or somebody leaves another team or somebody gets traded, we, we, we obviously won't cover that. Uh, until the next episode. So let's go ahead and close out this episode. Um, thanks again to John and Mike for, for, um, for coming on this episode, of the Spurs cast and for John hosting the uh, Spurs on six podcast. Um, follow us on, on, on Twitter at project Spurs at AT league underscore NBA at the Spurs cast at project Spurs network. At Spurs on six. At Spurs on six, yeah. (laughs) Everywhere that we have, uh, you know, Twitter. Instagram, Facebook. Facebook, all the the social media platforms. Visit the sites. uh, Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes. And uh, thank you. Have a great day. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.